Hey lovebirds and welcome back. It is a new week, which means we have another episode on the For Richer or Poorer podcast. Woohoo! I'm Jane. And I'm Jake. And this week we have marriage experts Devon and Dana joining us to talk all about boundaries, specifically with your in-laws, but these boundaries and these principles can be applied to any boundary that you're trying to set. So that could be boundaries at work, with your friends, with your church organization, or any other organization you are a part of. All right, cool. So let's just hop into it. Um, Thank you so much again for joining us. And we know our listeners love a good love story. So what is your guys' story? All right, she always looks at me to be the beginning of the love story to kick it off. Because I guess of my master storytelling technique, I guess. I don't know. Um, Well, I guess it all started. It was like a regular day. I was at the mall hanging out with a buddy of mine. And we'd stopped at the food court, of all places, to to get our favorite dish. And so we were just kind of hanging out, doing goth stuff, just talking about life. uh, Maybe even talking about girls, talking about sports, whatever. And so uh, a young lady walks in that he knows. And uh, he sees her. He gets up to go talk to her. And I see... uh, that he's talking to the young lady. I walk over after I get done with my food and he doesn't introduce me. He doesn't introduce me to the young lady he's talking to. Meanwhile, there's another lady standing there waiting off in the rafters there. And it was this young lady's roommate, which was Dana. And so I just kind of introduced myself to her there and, uh, you know, asked who she was, asked her name, what she was into and that type of thing. And, uh, just not even thinking about trying to talk to a lady, you know, at this point in time or trying to be romantic or anything, but, we ended up kind of just seeing each other again because we were going to like pretty much the same church and we didn't even know it. It was a pretty big church at that time. So we ended up bumping into each other two weeks later after that meeting at the mall. And uh, you want to you want to jump in on that part of the story? Because she tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around kind of kind of perplexed at church that particular day. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> and I'm like, you don't remember me? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I didn't recognize you. So I was all dressed up for church, I guess. And when I was at the mall, I was, you know, here in a bun, looking all messy. Um, so I guess he didn't connect the dots. And then he's like, oh, okay. So we kind of connected. There was like a singles group in our church that we were connected with. But the interesting part was um, I was in a relationship actually getting engaged and getting married at the time we met. Mm, And so that was interesting. So um, we remained friends, but the twist came is that the wedding was called off like 60 days before the wedding date. I already had my dress. We had already paid deposits, Mm -hmm. sent out invitations. We basically had to retract everything. And so after that devastation and that loss, I told Devon, he, he knew that the time was coming. So he's like, Oh, are you ready? Are you ready for your wedding? And I was like, Oh, well, not really. Um, we're not having it. And he was like, Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And then in, probably inside saying, yes, thank you, father. You answer prayers. <laughs> and yeah. so from that point, 
I mean, we were still friends during this time because I, the interesting part is I used to call him and ask him for advice. I'm like, what is wrong with guys? Like, I don't understand you. Help me figure this out. Why can't we get along? And, you know, not one time did he make any mention that he was interested. Not one time did he say anything that, you know, would lead me on. He was just being a friend um, and helping me through that situation. So through all of it, after that was broken off, then he told me how he felt about me from the first time that he had met me. That was that was two years later, by the way, that I began, oh, wow. I told her I felt. I watched from the friend zone for two years and uh, yeah. finally told her how I felt after I almost lost her because there were other people circling trying to swoop in at this point in time after this relationship broke, broke up. And so I ended up winning. I got the championship ring. I guess that's the moral of the story. Wow. <laughs> there you, you know? go. So now you guys are like this dynamic power couple, just helping other couples overcome their communication struggles. So how did that come to be? Yeah, that's guess, interesting. Isn't that what always happens? A lot of times our purpose and what we get, what we're great at comes out of your biggest struggle. You know, basically the story, as she's saying, you know, you're, you're, your purpose kind of is birth when you go through struggle, when you go through a situation, because we both came from broken homes. We both know uh, what dysfunctional communication looked like. And so we came into the marriage. Once we decided we were supposed to be together, we got engaged, got married. We went through marriage counseling and we figured out that, hey, I don't want what I had. I don't want what I grew up. And I know there's something different we can do. So let's learn together what we can do. So like, as she said, marriage conferences, reading a lot of books. I mean, we would have books and we would highlight books. And that's what we talked about in those first few years of marriage, even before that, when we were we were dating, we read books together on how to communicate better. And so back, you know, obviously 16 years ago, I don't know if some of those books are even still in print, but that's what we did. You know, before we went to bed, we do a couple's devotional and, you know, and it was like a different era because we didn't have the distractions of cell phones and things of that nature. And so that's what we did. We just kind of gravitated towards stuff that we figured would help us in our relationship. And so uh, that I think laid a good foundation so that when, our struggles did come because we had some trials in life that actually almost took us out. And so knowing how to get through those, it, we kind of pointed ourselves back to our foundation and what we had learned and some of the skills we had learned um, how to communicate. I, I really like what you shared going off of being proactive and reactive, kind of hearing how you were able to take advantage of your opportunity when you're going into marriage and when you knew that you were wanting to make this work what are some of the benefits of being proactive in your relationship rather than reactive? Well, for me, I think being proactive helps you when you're facing a crisis that you have something to fall back on. Instead, when you're reactive, sometimes you make decisions that are not clear or you make decisions that are in a panic, so to speak. You know, it's just like an insurance policy is the way that I like to look at it. When you're being proactive about things like insurance for your house, you get it before your house catches on fire. <laughs> so in the event that it does, then you're protected. Absolutely. And so that's the way that we look at it in everything of marriage from communication, from the, the things we did financially with our before we got married, paying off debt and coming into the marriage without debt. Those were all proactive things that helped us in times when we face crisis. Building that foundation um, before you try building the walls, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
and, and I, I always say it like this. I, I tell this story when I was younger and I was starting a new job that I, a job I'd never done before. And I was struggling a bit through the job and, and the, the trainer was there trying to show me how to do it. And one of the things he said, and he said it in a really deep Southern drawl, and I hear his voice throughout my life. And what he said was, you got to have a plan, Devon. You got to have a plan. And, it, it, and it's true. It's with every aspect of life. You got to you have to have a plan. Otherwise, you're going to fail. Otherwise, it's going to be cumbersome. And so we, I took that literally and plugged that, that philosophy into every aspect of my life, including my marriage. A lot of people, I think, struggle because they don't have a plan for their marriage. They don't. They just get married and, okay, we're married. Now what? Let's just kind of fumble through life and just see what happens with no real intentionality and no real strategy. And I think that's uh, why many struggle in their relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, we find that people plan more for their wedding. You know, they have every detail. <laughs> they plan out, you know, the flowers, the songs, who's going to be with who, who's going to walk down the aisle. And then when it gets to marriage, there's nothing. They haven't planned out anything. And then when things start going wrong, they're like, well, what's happening? Did I make a right decision? Why isn't this just working? Yeah. And I think even, you know, sometimes, especially like being in a church setting, you pray about it, right? And you're like, you feel like this is coming from God, that this is the right choice. And then those bumps come and you're like, holy crap. And it starts to shake your faith as well. When it's right, what you guys are saying, we really just need to have a plan and know how to navigate those situations. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So uh, you also bring up a good point, um, you know, with like all the details in the wedding and it's just kind of blissful, the whole dating process. And, you know, you always do the right things and you try to go the extra mile and you build these memories and um, create these bonds with your spouse. But that doesn't always happen with your in-laws, right? You kind of just assume they're going to love you and accept you (laughs) for who you are. Here we go. So uh, what are some good tips to, you know, creating those bonds, but also creating boundaries with those in-laws? Wow. This is a good one. This is, we face this a lot in the very beginning from our marriage, because we came from two different backgrounds and I'll let Devon, he tells the better story than me, but I'll set it up. My family, we're big and we're close and we celebrate everything from a tooth falling out every holiday. It's like, let's get together and let's celebrate, have a cake, ice cream party, the whole nine. And Devon's family, it was smaller They did things just contained in like the immediate family, his parents and his brother, so to speak. And so that whole dynamic of being together and doing a lot of things together was kind of different for him. And so just going into the marriage, you can imagine our first holiday. Yeah, I mean, it was it was exciting. It was exhilarating because I hadn't had this. But then as the further the further things went along, the more I was like, well, whoa, this is kind of awkward. This is different. And we would go. I remember that first Christmas we would go to the store. She's like, well, I need to pick up some things for the Christmas for my, my family or whatever. And I'm thinking, you know, she's going to get her mom, you know, a pair of socks or gloves or something. She's going to get her dad something. No, she gets the entire family a shopping cart full of stuff. And I'm like, holy moly, you know, what's going on? <laughs> you know, we had no kids at this point, but she has a lot of family, as she said. And they literally bought gifts at that time for everybody. Everybody got a gift. And I'm like, wow, 
that's different, you know? <laughs> and, we're talking like 30 to 40 gifts, not yeah, like 10. Yeah, I'm not even exaggerating. You know, you've seen the, have you seen the card where you're like, wow, that person's got like two shopping carts full of groceries? I and mean, that's what we, it, looked, it looked like, but it was all gifts, you know? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. You know, and it was cool, you know, we, we, you literally cannot see the floor Christmas morning because of all the wrapping paper and toys on the floor. You cannot see it. Oh, that's yeah. so fun. So that was, that was challenging. Um, but uh, it wasn't challenging. That was a kind of a fun, lighter hearted moment. And so with that became a lot of, you know, the, the bad part came when there were issues, when families were having struggles or whatever, or even wanting to come into our lives. How much time do they come into our lives? And I tell you mm-hmm. uh, the story of uh, just ba- boundaries, as you mentioned, I think it has to do a lot with uh, setting boundaries. I think a good way to do that is with the name. And so I tell people, when you look at the last name, who's given the last name and, and last names mean a lot, even, you know, looking at scripture. And I tell people that, OK, she came into my life, for example, as a her last name was Wilkinson when she came into my life. And so that was her father's duty to take care of her and to make sure she had what she needed. And she was under his governorship or his rulership, so to speak. And so there was a change of government when I gave her my last name. and We got married. And so now making sure she's good. If she gets sick, I'm the first person that is supposed to take care of her and make sure she's good. She became part of my jurisdiction and my government. And so I think if you look at it that way, it begins to kind of shape boundaries naturally. If you look at it that way, because when we have, we've had problems with in-laws and the things we had to learn is when things that let's say my in-laws wanted for my house that they did in their house and that's not part of our core values. That's not a part of our code of code of ethics or, you know, things they did in their house is fine, you know? So just keeping it like that, I think helps clarify boundaries. I think that's a good starting point as far as setting boundaries is looking at, okay, whose house is it? Whose name is here associated with said house? I don't know if that, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's a, a pretty easy, clear way of, of viewing it as well. And I mean, I will say that our your family won't be like, oh, okay, yes, that's fine. We accept your your boundary now. So, you know, the, he gave the explanation of the Christmas, but I know the first Christmas that we decided to stay together instead of going to my family's house, that's where we ran into quite a bit of problems uh, because my parent, my family actually literally thought we were joking. My mom was calling us up to Christmas Eve, like, have you all left yet? Are you on your way? And we're like, we're not coming. Seriously, we live three hours away. We we would have been there by now if we were coming. And so that was the first boundary that we had to set is saying, okay, we have a new family where we want to create new traditions and new things with our family. And once we have children, and so every Christmas, we're not going to be able to come to the families get together. Even though I've done it for the past 30 years, now that I'm married, I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. And it really caused some major heartburn for my mom, especially. Yeah, they were like, what in the world is she married? Who, what is this guy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's taking my daughter away and she's not coming up for the first time in history for Christmas? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was wild. It was a wild ride for a little bit there. Yeah, that could be that could be a really tough even for for you both to get on the same page. That could be a really tough conversation. How did you manage that? How do you do that? Where you're like, "Yep, Christmas, we're going to be here," and and come together and make that that joint decision. Yeah, I mean that was one of the things. As we said earlier, you heard. I mean, you just heard Dana say, 
um, you know, as far as our tradition, our house, that we knew we wanted to build a legacy. You know, obviously, uh, coming out of the environment that we were in, we knew we wanted to create our own. And so that was very paramount in our decision making and and us being in agreement with that. Yeah, it was hard for her. Um, some of this was, was stuff that I kind of came up with. I want to have our first Christmas dinner together. You know, I want to have our first Christmas in our house together as in, cause we got married in what we got married in June. And so that Christmas, I wanted that to be ours and wanted that whole year to be something special. Yeah. But with that, we also broke a, a, a deal and a promise to our in-laws that, Hey, we'll see you on, on new year's, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, we'll rotate holidays. And so we kind of came up with the rotate holidays kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that's still to this day, that's kind of what we do. And so uh, that we gave a compromise because we had to, we gave the medicine first, but then we gave the the sugar later, I guess. So we, we're still, still going to see it. So I'm not taking her away forever, you know. So that's really smart. I like that. Yeah. So how if we had someone that was struggling, you know, or someone that's listening that's struggling with, you know, maybe convincing their spouse that let's have the special holiday or something that we struggle with is going to mom's house every Sunday for dinner. Like how do you have that conversation when you know it's just, it's going to be a rough ride? I would say the first thing you have to do is you have to talk amongst yourselves and you guys have to come up with a game plan that you can both agree on. And again, if there's going to be compromise. You're not going to be able to do everything that you did as a single person. You're not single anymore. <laughs> and so that's like the first thing I think is a big transition or a mindset shift for anyone is this is different. We have to think differently. There's going to be a different process and things that need to take place. And so once you guys are unified on what you want to agree upon, I think the biggest thing that we did when we started these changes and letting our family know is that you have to do this together. So you have to be unified. When you have these conversations, you want to have them together so that your families can see that, oh, he put you up to this. This, You really didn't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And he made you say you don't want to come home for Christmas. But saying, Mm -hmm. no, this is a decision that we both made. I'm in agreement with it. And again, given the compromise, we don't come this Christmas, but we'll come next Christmas. Or if we don't come during Christmas, we'll come at New Year's. But to be able to do it together and be able to um, talk about it together. So for example, if I'm talking to my family, I want to do the talking, but I also want Devon to be there as well so that they see that unified front, not saying, okay, you go off by yourself and you tell them what we agreed upon. So you get on the same page with your spouse. You both are loving the ideas. You're both doing what you need to do. How do you go to the in-laws with whatever your decision is? Not to sound cheesy, but I would say you definitely want to to be prayerful because every in-law is different, different personalities different expectations, different responses are going to happen too. You know, and obviously this is going to be difficult for everybody involved because this is the first time you're doing this if you're newly married and you've got to be prayerful, number one. But I mean, you know, it's with anything, you just got to go right into it. And I, again, writing things out, writing out the language you're going to use, you know, and saying, you know, and give your reasons why. It's not just something that you're, you're not mad at, a, at them or whatever. You're just really wanting to communicate to them. This is important for us. We want to create, you know, some of that language we use was we want to create our, our own traditions. We love you all, you know, and temperate with love. Make sure you're using loving language as much as possible and being empathetic because they, they want to spend time with you. They genuinely want to spend time with the new son-in-law or the new daughter-in-law. And you do too. It's just that you need some space. And what you're doing is you're creating that separation to create the space and to create the boundary for your house to thrive and for your new family 
to thrive together. And guess what? You're going to have to do this more than just holidays because mm-hmm. I tell you, when the kids came, that's a whole other conversation we could have about the kids, the firstborn kid. Wow. So if you haven't done the due diligence of, of, of setting up holidays and having those conversations, that's just practice. If you haven't done the practice, when you get to the newborn, <laughs> wow, you're really going to struggle because that's like the Super Bowl of setting boundaries is uh-huh. the first kid. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We definitely had some fun experiences with that. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's, I think you're right. You have to show that you're making this decision together. And it might be, I mean, we're, we're rolling with Christmas, so why don't we stick with it? Like, hey, we're not coming for Christmas, but then send the pictures of maybe the kids opening their gifts or FaceTime them while they're opening that special present from grandma and grandpa and showing that increased love and interest that, again, this is us wanting to create those family traditions rather than us trying to cut you out. Right. And, and that's key. That's absolutely right. Because the tradition is not that you don't have it. It's just changing. It's just what it looks like is going to, it's just going to feel different and look different now. And so you're right, get, exposing them and sharing them uh, with, you know, what did you get for Christmas and having the grandkids call and say, this is what I got. Yeah, that's, that's, that's spot on. And that's, that's what we did. You know, obviously that first Christmas we didn't have any kids. And so it was just us and, you know, we, you're, that, that's great. So here's a tough one. What would you do Uh-oh. if, <laughs> let's say you guys agreed on something, you feel like you're on the same page, the same level, you tell the in-laws and, you know, maybe it's over the phone or through text. And then when you get in person, your spouse acts like they weren't really sure. They, they don't really know what you're talking about. And then they go, oh, is that what we decide? What in the world would you do there? Wow. I mean, obviously there's a kink in the armor. There, there's something that's got to, got to be addressed, you know, offline, obviously, you know, not ha- having that conversation right in front of the parents at the time is not the way to go. Right. But you need to go back and make sure, again, that unified front, you need to go and address that and say, hey, what's going on here, dude, or, or do that, you know, we agreed to this, and you got in front of your, your mom or your dad and said something totally different, what's going on? And that's where the, the what do you call that, the deference towards the other spouse has got to be at the forefront. That's got to be paramount, because what do we say earlier, if you are changing governments, you're concerned about the government of your little part of the kingdom, your house. And so the person that you sleep next to every night, they become next to God. They become your number, your number, they have the number two spot. Everybody else kind of bumps down the food chain a little bit. Mm. So we've got to, we've got to come back to that conversation. Who's the priority here? And then I think a lot of times too, with that, what happens is maybe one of, one of you didn't really agree with it, but you didn't want to make waves or you didn't want to have a full conversation or you were not 100% truthful and transparent with what you were feeling or what you discussed. So that's also something that you would want to try to dive into. Why did you feel like you couldn't be totally honest or say, no, I don't like that. Can we do something else? So that would be something in your communication and then just your trust and vulnerability in that Mm -hmm. particular topic. Yeah. yeah, and these are hard conversations to have. Each approach with each situation is going to be totally different. Yeah, and the response is going to be different because from a parent's perspective, I guess now when I have two girls and they're getting older and we're just considering you know, I'm fast forwarding to like, okay, I'm going to be a grandma one day. Am I, am I going to be that? Am I going to be my mom? Am I going to be acting crazy when my grandkids come? 
but yeah. just really thinking about that whole process of them just going away to college and stuff of just, you know, as a mother, the way and the approach that you're going to have to go at them, because to them, you're the bait, you're their baby, no matter what. And yeah. that to them, if you make a change or adjustments for some of the times for them, if you've been their world or their everything, you've basically just crushed them or, you know, you've taken snatched the rug from underneath of them and they feel like they're not important. Or if you're not coming around that, you know, they're not going to have a spot in your life anymore. And so some of them sometimes go through their own emotional struggle and turmoil. And so just being able to give that confidence or that reassurance to your mom or dad that, you know, we still love you. We still want to be involved. It's just things are a little different you know, instead of just coming with, coming with a hammer, you know, don't do it a week before Christmas. Like if you're planning on not coming for Christmas, maybe, you know, say, can we talk? Can we come over or have a FaceTime or however you guys communicate, you know, on a Sunday afternoon in October and talk about it. Mm-hmm. This is going to be good timing. A lot of people yeah. prepping for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Everyone get on it. Jake and I are expecting our second baby. In February, and we are very excited, and we are joining the world of COVID babies. It can be really hard to navigate, you know, those boundaries with your in-laws with this new baby. I mean, they're equally as excited as you are to have a new little person in the family, and COVID adds a whole nother layer to boundaries. What? Let's kind of talk about what that might look like if they're like, "Hey, we want to come visit." Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for me, we just actually had a couple that just had a baby in August. So, and they've gone through this and I tried to prep her beforehand to give her some warning shots or some things to do. And now she's, she's on the back end of it now and, and kicking herself. But I would use COVID to my advantage um, of saying, okay, well, you're not going to be able to come over for two months because of COVID. You know, I've got to take the baby out and, you know, we just don't know who you've been around and the baby is susceptible to, you know, a lot of different things that their immune system hasn't been built up. And so that's what, I mean, when we had our ba- our babies, we didn't allow our in-laws to come over. Well, we, we allowed them to come over. So let me, what you're saying is we, we didn't allow them for a short period of time because one of the things with us, you know, it was cold when our first one was born. It was like she was born on Christmas Eve, our oldest. Oh, wow. And so we didn't have COVID back then, but there was the flu and there was colds and stuff. And so I was like super, super hop or whatever. And I was like, no, you do not touch my kid without hand sanitizer, even to my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, you can't look at him. Not, not doing that. Not holding the, yeah, don't breathe on her. No, I was, I was kind of weird. And they're like, that's my granddaughter. I was like, yeah, but that's my daughter. You know, so I just, <laughs> you know, and I was kind of, I may have been a little bit of a jerk about it, but uh, my daughter was healthy. You know, I don't think she had a cold that year. Um, <laughs> so it's I probably the only year, but that's okay. Yeah. Right, right. I protected her. But I, I think really, you know, having that conversation, because even when she first came home, there was an expectation with her family. Uh, especially I had a different situation with my mom because my mom was, was, was having some medical challenges herself. But with her mom, it was like, okay, you're going to have the baby. I need to know exactly when you have the baby because I'm headed straight down and I'm going to spend the next two weeks with you all. And I'm just going to help out. I'm going to be, you know, such a blessing to y'all or whatever. And we're like, 
timeout. This is not going to work. There's no way that that is going to work for us. And so we had to come together and have a conversation. And so we told her, we were like, well, you know, we really appreciate you wanting to come down and understand your excitement, but here's what we would like. Here's what we need. We would like a chance to bond with our baby, our first baby for at least a week and get used to everything, get used to life. And then we'd be more than happy to have you guys come down after that and spend some time. Yeah, Yes, come to the hospital when they're born, but we would like for you just to kind of, get, after that, just kind of give us some more time to bond with the baby, just us as a family. And then we'll invite you into that. And so mm-hmm. they kind of looked at us like, are you serious? Are you saying you want me to come down three hours and go to the hospital and then drive right back? And are you, are you asking me that? I'm like, yes, that's what we're asking. <laughs> Got to be strong, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how it, how it worked. And, you know, guess what? Everything was fine. That, that, that delay of a week or two was just as fun as if they had shown up that first week. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And once history has been written, they look back on it. It was great. It was, there were great times. We still have the pictures. <laughs> and I love your wording that, you know, like that's not going to work for us. That, that wouldn't be a help or that wouldn't be a blessing to us. And Jake and I have had instances in our marriage where he does all the dishes and he thinks they'd be super helpful. And I'm like, I don't need you to do the dishes. Like that is not helpful to me. Like if you want to do something for me, like, this is what I could have you do. No one likes a gift that you don't actually want, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so their intention is to be helpful, but it's really not helpful. You're just adding a bigger burden. So I think wording is everything a lot of the time. And I love how you use that wording. Like, you know, thank you so much. Like, I appreciate the effort, but that is not what is helpful for us right at that yeah. time. Yeah. One of the things we realized too, are with the way our parents were raised and the circumstances around like my mom and her mom had kind of an identical situation. They both had us unmarried. And so they were both single mothers. And so guess what? It took the whole village. It took everybody, the whole family kind of leaning in to help support this, this single mom, this new baby where our situation was different. We, our kids were born to both parents. So guess what? We didn't need to call in ground support, you know, from the parents right away. Cause we had a support system. We were one another's support system. And so we found out that was a fundamental difference. That's why there was such a struggle and why it seemed like we were speaking another language when we said, hey, we just kind of want to bond for a little bit on our own and, and figure this thing out. If we have a question, I remember even saying, if we have questions, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely call you guys. You, you grandparents will be the first ones we call if we have questions or if we get stuck. But, you know, we'll, we'll see you in a week or two. And, and the other thing is, too, I mean, we, we talk about boundaries. And one of the things with boundaries is, You've got, you've got to consider fairness. That's one of the things you've got, we don't talk about all, always with boundaries. It's always we're thinking about setting up a wall or setting up parameters. But we have to also think about fairness because she has parents. I have parents. So how do we work them all into it and making sure it's fair? That's why we would flip-flop the holidays. or That's why we would meet one week with the other. We would take the grandkids to one grandparent's house, and then the next week we do the other or a week later. Making sure that you're, you're being fair about it too because there's that thing called grandparent jealousy that goes on <laughs> so if one well wait a minute you've been over their house you know three times you haven't been over to mine you know only two times and so what's going on there so you've got to it's a lot to manage <laughs> as a as, as a new budding parent but uh it can be done it can be yeah. done especially when you maybe live close to one grandparent and the other grandparent lives out of state oh, it's so, so tough that's for us. hard all of that, all of Jane's situation. Yeah, all of Jane's family is here. One sister moved to moved to Utah, um, but she has everyone here. And my family's in California, and 
they've come a little bit, but it's it's harder because my I have siblings that are spread out all over the place and all of Jane's family's here. So it's great seeing them and it's really fun, but then it's like, oh, I can't have these fun experiences with my family. But right. it's, yeah, it's kind of a, a give and take situation. It's a couple hour drive, a uh, couple couple hour flight. <laughs> they um, drive. A day. Oh boy, that's like 21 hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. And all those things, you just got to kind of talk it out and have a plan and try to do what's fair. And then the scope of time, everybody's going to have a shot at babysitting at some point, hopefully. But even within that, now you're talking babysitting. Once the kid gets older and the grandparents watch them, now we have conversations, board boundary conversations about what's acceptable and Mm. how you raise that kid. You know, do you want to give the kid Pepsi? at three years old <laughs> or do mm-hmm. not want to give a kid Pepsi and candy. Uh, our know. daughter is addicted to Dr. Pepper oh, unfortunately wow. and not against or not uh, our will. Grandpa <laughs> loves that Dr. Pepper and Peyton loves sharing with grandpa. There you go. <laughs> I'm a Dr. Yeah. Pepper fan too. I get it. <laughs> uh, so here's a question too. Um, you know, a lot of families are mixed interfaith families and you know, talking about as they get older you know, if one family has one type of prayer tradition and the other family has a different, you know, just way of doing things, how to establish those boundaries of, you know, I'm happy that you're teaching my child about God and love and, and whatnot, but also we don't choose to pray that way or, you know, whatever it is, those get real sticky real quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we haven't had too many of those instances. I think there was one, I uh, have a family member who doesn't share our exact faith. Uh, their Their faith actually uh, lends them to reading some scripture. And so we had to put up a boundary with, okay, we can talk about the Bible, but some of the other things that you want to get into, we're not, uh, we're not good with that because we don't want our kids to get confused about their faith. And so mm-hmm. our faith is what we choose in our house. This is what we believe. And we want to kind of, and, and this is where I had the conversation with my, my family, uh, a certain family member, member that, Hey, I'm responsible for the faith of my children. And so I want to kind of keep it that way. If it's all right with you, I want to keep it that way. And I want to be the one that imparts to them. So anything spiritual that comes into their lives, I need to be the gatekeeper of that. I need to see it and put eyes on it and before I disseminate it to my kids. So I would appreciate it if you didn't just send them uh, some of your 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 teachings or what have you. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's all geared towards kids and it seems all good to you, but that's not really the way I would like for it to go. I would like for it to come through me yeah. or my wife. You, know? you are really good at thinking things through and getting it in <laughs> such a great way. I wish I could do what you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm always there. You know, sometimes I, I got to get mad and then I'll come back to it after the emotions. <laughs> then I come back to it to get real practical. And then I say, well, I need to write that down somewhere and make sure that no, I stand. You, you, you have it together. I really like that. You're, you're so uh, meticulous and, and you can, can really give out your point in a respectful way and in a way that's pleasing for everybody and, and really sets the tone for this is how things are going to go. I, I love how, how direct that is. Well, I think sure. something that I'm noticing also is that we have hard conversations, but also you take ownership. You take pride yeah. in being that head of the household and saying, this is what you know, me am. and Dana have come up with. And this is where we're unified. And I am responsible for them. I'm taking control of this. And that's, that's really commendable that you're owning it, you know? And that's why I think a lot of people just got to put their big boy and big girl panties on and own it. (laughs) And it can be so hard because people don't want to offend people. People don't want to rub people the wrong way or, or maybe they're, they're uptight. There's so many different personalities, right? Yeah. And I mean, with our, in our situation, it hasn't been 
favorably accepted and not accepted without a fight. I mean, there to be full transparent and honest. I mean, there was a time even on my side of the family that we actually didn't see my mother for several years because she did not agree with some of the requirements that we had for our daughters. And again, with boundaries, you, you can only control and manage yourself. You know, we couldn't make them do or change And so we had to make a decision, okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. But for us, we're not going to expose our children to that. So that means that they're not going to be able to come to your house without either Devon and I being there. They're not going to be able to spend the night without us. And that really offended and caused um, some major problems. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to answer to God to what we've exposed our children to and to protect them. And that in in the best interest of them, that's what we had to do. And sometimes it is family that we have other family members that we have to protect our children from. And, you know, she did not like that at all. And, you know, decided to remove herself from our lives for a period of time. Yeah. And sometimes you got to take that hard battle, right? That, yes. that hard time to, to get to the good or to get through those those tumultuous times. Yeah. And it was hard because, you know, you think about life and our humanity, you know, I always say the three parts. It's, it's physical, spiritual, and emotional. And we, we dealt, we battled in all three of those areas at different times. And so obviously there was no physical abuse going on. There was no necessarily spiritual abuse going on in that particular situation. But there were some emotional things that were happening that were toxic and, uh, that relationship that we saw and we didn't want our kids to begin to pick up those habits. We didn't want them that to become interwoven into who they are. And so we had to protect them from that. And we had to have some real conversations about, Hey, if you guys want to want to communicate like that, by all means, it's your house. Again, going back to that, it's your house, but that's not how we are raising our girls. We don't, we don't yell. We don't say those words around our children. And so we prefer that you didn't, but if you need to, that's how you're going to operate. Then we need to kind of limit our time and put some, some parameters on how much time we spend with you. And the overnight thing was just a non-negotiable after uh, a few situations that occurred that showed, that showed us that, Hey, you're not able to do this right now. So let us help you mm-hmm. um, as we protect our kids. You know, it seems harsh, sounds harsh, but we had to protect them emotionally. I mean, the thing is when we think of in-laws, we automatically think of, you know, the mom and dad, but Oh, you married the whole family. I mean, those sibling in-laws, that's, oh, my family is very, um, the, my, my brothers, what would you say they are, Jake? They're wonderful people. They are very, (laughs) very intense. I got some nice threats when I came into the family that if you screw up, I, uh, I um, I know where to hide a dead body. (laughs) (laughs) There's some pretty intense guys. They're great. We have a great relationship now, but. And we think they're joking, though. They were not joking. No. They were totally serious. Yeah. One's a pilot, um, so. Yeah, he's like, I flew over a lot of deserted places. (laughs) 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 But. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you know, I mean, navigating also those relationships, too. And I think one of the things that we try, or I have to remind myself, is that everyone's trying to do the best they can with what they have and with the experiences that they have. Um, You know, our life hasn't always been butterflies and rainbows with the in-laws and, and they're not afraid to be bold with the things that are important to them and just recognizing, you know what, I can still love you and we're still family. And if you need anything, you better believe I'm going to be there to help you. But also some distance isn't too bad. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, even in that that scenario that Dana just shared, you know, that was that rough period for, you know, maybe four or five years. And we were cordial. Our door was open. We we told we explained what our boundaries were. And we said, Hey, you can come in anytime and visit us. You can come visit the kids anytime you want, you know, and we'll be up there and we'll spend some time, but we're not in you know, then they sometimes they would ask, Well, can we watch them overnight? And they were thinking they were gonna wear us down. But again, we were a unified front and we never backed down from our from our standard. Now I'll tell you today. You, you would have no no idea. You know, if you look at some of our, our personal social media pages and uh, if you were to come hang out with us, you know, this past weekend we're hanging out. And it was all good. There, there's no sign of any of that because guess what? We created a boundary and in her time, you know, in their time, my grandparent, her, her parents were able to come on, come along and align with that, come online and align with what we had set out there. And so uh, Sometimes it may take a parent a, a week or two. It may take them no time, but sometimes it may take longer. And that's that's the hard part because you we love them, right? And we wanted to spend time with them. And it hurt us probably just as much as it hurt them. And I remember thinking one time, I was like, man, will my kids ever get to see her you know, again? And how long is she going to kind of hold out or whatever? Um, but uh, now that it, it's all good now. Life really isn't always butterflies and rainbows and that's where we get to lean on our spouse. And like you mentioned, have that unified front, but also involve the Lord in it really. And he knows everyone's heart and he knows uh, the whole situation without flaws and without bias and really taking that into account and including him can help guide and navigate a tough situation. Absolutely. And that's what we're doing. We were praying, you know, through that time and I'm sure they were too. And, you know, they were, they were believers uh, as far as their faith and what they believed. And I, I just think that situation kind of forced them to kind of re- lean on their faith a little bit ha- stronger than they might have if they were, quote unquote, medicating with spending as much time as they wanted to just recklessly abandon themselves into grandparent mode and spoiling the kids and buying gifts. And, you know, that was the thing we had to kind of come through as well, just how much gifts were you able to give, you know, and, and, and being appropriate with some of the gifts and saying that's a little bit out of, that's not really what we need, you know, and there are a lot of conversations to have, you know, it's, it's, but once you have them and once you get on the other side of some of those boundary setting conversations, then the relationship can thrive. Everybody's needs are getting met to some extent. Once you get across that, that hump and get over the hurdle. And, but the, the, the sad part is the part where in-law relationships break down is when one party doesn't want to respect the other party's boundaries or one person isn't bold enough to stand up to their parents because the real problem in a lot of this boundary conversation it has to do with the kid not wanting to stand up to their parents and not wanting to take a step in the direction of hey we're unified front because you still have those those allegiances even as as a married couple they raised you that's your mom that's your dad it's still this because here's the scripture that a lot of people like to use honor your mother and father right which can be used out of context that doesn't mean give them free course in your life that means honor them if i have a, a an adult conversation with you asking you to respect my boundaries then that is honorable. I am honoring you. Mm-hmm. I didn't yell at you. I didn't scream at you. I didn't call you out of your name. But there's also a scripture that says, don't provoke your children to anger, to wrath. So, um, yeah. What's that one that, you know, you leave mother and father and become one? There you yourself. go. Yeah, um, absolutely. I forget where it's at. I know it's in there somewhere. Yeah, but... I do too. <laughs> I know. And sometimes it just pop up, right? And you don't remember. I can't give you scripture and verse, but you can go Google it because <laughs> I know it's in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So... If we can switch gears a little bit. Sure. My, my spouse and I come from different um, backgrounds. 
and we're trying to find a common ground. How do we build that unity? How do we come together to do that when we come from such different backgrounds? All right. So what I would say, if you coming from two different backgrounds, especially in some cultures, taking care of your parents or even grandparents is just part of your tradition. So I think primarily having that conversation before marriage is very critical so that you have an understanding of what's what expectations your spouse may have as well as you. And then you need to decide together what that's going to look like under your new governance. Because again, as we keep talking about, once you get married, that's a new government, a new domain that you are responsible for. And so having a financial conversation is very critical because as we know, with helping couples, finances is on the top of the list for um, reasons why people get divorced. And so we want to eliminate that as quickly as possible and talking about finances and how how they are divvied up and how they're saved is an important conversation to have. I come from a a Hispanic family. And so that's totally different. And in New Mexico, you'll find, I think they're calling them like dual generational homes where it's more or less a mother-in-law's quarters, but the house is actually designed to have your in-laws living in it, you know, as they age. And that's just the expectation. And that can be a pretty big responsibility to swallow, I guess, coming into a family like that. Or, you know, with my time in the Philippines, everyone lived, I don't don't think we understand the term quite as well here in the States, um, but it's like a family compound. And there's one big gate and behind there is three houses and everyone lives in the same spot, you know, forever. And that's a lot to swallow if you aren't really going into it with your eyes open. Yeah. And and that's the thing too, is we talk about a plan and talk about uh, that type of thing. It's the same with finances. You've got to have a budget. And that's what we tell couples too. That's for your house. That's how much, you know, how much money's coming in, you know, how much money you can send out and what, like Dana said, whatever you have left, that's part of that plan is you've got to have a budget and no matter what, you've got to kind of stick to that. Now, if you have someone that's living there, like a, a family member that's moving in, um, then that all that's got to be renegotiated now. Now we have extra expenditures. Where's that money going to come from? Do they have, you know, Social Security or, or Medicare or whatever it is that's coming in? How do we how do we handle this? Do we need to to lessen some of our eating out or, or pay something off sooner or get rid of something or sell something? What do you do? That's where you have those conversations and begin to make sure that your financial house is in order because at the end of the end of the day no matter what happens with that family member or somebody outside of it you've got to make sure that your house is 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 in tip-top shape mm-hmm. and so that that's that's one way of looking at that now i'll tell you for the culture piece that's a little bit different you know this is where we talk about boundaries a lot of times we're saying oh well put up this boundary put up that boundary but at the same time there's a compromise you want to make sure that you include some of the traditions of the other family that may not be yours, you know, some of them are okay, you know, and so you want to make sure that you are making a space in a relationship for uh, your Jane, some of your traditions and vice versa. You want to do the same for your husband and his family. Now you also, now you have your traditions that you may create your own tradition, which is a derivative of both of you guys' history and your traditions. So when Jenny and I were talking in preparation for this podcast, um, she shared about a brief period in time where you guys experienced unemployment. Can you walk us through that and how you were still able to 
you know, keep your faith and keep your spirits high and stay on the same page. Back in 2008, when they had the huge Mm -hmm. economic downturn, we had just had our first child and we had made the decision that I would leave my job and stay home to raise our daughter. So prior to that, again, a part of being prepared and being proactive, we went through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. And so we paid off our debt and we had everything except for a mortgage. So we were good to go. We learned to live on one income and we were straight. The one thing that we didn't anticipate once I left work that Devon would then receive notification that he was going to be laid off on his job. And so we found ourselves unemployed, both of us unemployed and no income coming in. And we had two small children under two years old. And we're, and in the midst of this, his mother had passed away. Six months later, his grandmother had passed away. And we're talking, this is in a span of less than a year. And it actually extended almost two years. We were both unemployed for 20 months. We had applied for together over 300 jobs. We both had degrees between us and we could not find anything. So you can just imagine being at home 24 hours a day, two kids in diapers and not being able to have a job and having no money. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was tough. I mean, it was really, it was even more tough for, for me as a husband, you know, and having this, this strong bent towards wanting to provide and wanting to protect my family here I am with no job. And so I will tell you that my, my relationship with, you know, God through all of those traumatic situations was kind of tanking a little bit for the first time in my life, you know, and, you know, growing up in church or whatever. Now the whole world is crumbling before me. And so I really struggled. I mean, you talk about your faith coming down to hanging on by, by a thread. We, I, I was there. And so Dana is trying to hold me together and try to keep me, keep my head up because of all that I've been going on. And she absorbed a lot of that shock. And so I'll tell you that support system of, of a, of a good wife is, was, was paramount in us getting through that. And so uh, there was a time where she, you know, I kind of got my strength up or whatever. And I was able to kind of, she was able to let go and just kind of be real about what she was going through. And I was able to stand in the gap for her, but it was really hard. And I, it, it wasn't until uh, I had a, one day I just really was feeling the brunt of everything. And I just had to really crowd in my car. I had really had to yell at God. I was, I was, and I had to own it. I said, God, I'm mad at you. I am so mad at you because you could have, you could have caused this thing to work totally different. We prayed for my mom and she didn't make it. You know, you, my job, I'm jobless now. I'm like, what are you trying to do to me? What do you want? And I could almost feel like during that, in that moment that he said, thank you. Thank you. I was waiting for you to be real. I was waiting for you to give it to me straight. And I I felt this, this thing kind of shift. I felt this, this closeness, even in my anger, even in my angst, even in my shaking my fist at him, he was like, that's a real relationship. Because a real relationship isn't always, like you said, the butterflies and the roses and stuff. A real relationship is, I'm going to give you the rawest part of my emotion, the rawest part of my soul. I'm going to bear that to you. And I feel like something happened when, when I did that, when I let go and just really gave it all to him and said, man, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you right now, but I'm, you know, here I am still having a conversation with God, telling him I don't want to talk to him. But that's, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So but I, I was I was being honest about where I was. I wasn't faking it. I wasn't saying, hey, I'm blessed and I'm this and I'm, you know, I know I don't have a problem. Everything is great. No, I was struggling. We were in turmoil. 
and it, you know, it still was 20 months, but it wasn't too long after that, that things began to slowly, uh, slowly turn around. And I was able to find a, a job and I uh, was able kind of to, to move some things forward and get a consistent paycheck. And we had pretty much drained our savings and it was hard, but it was our faith that we leaned on to get us through that time. It, it was our relationship, even though it was hanging on by a thread, even though we, we were by our mouth saying it was non-existent, it still existed because we, we knew the truth. We knew where we were supposed to run to in time of trouble. And so uh, it was both of us having the faith to kind of pull us through and pull one another through that, that trial, through that valley. The, the whole theme through this whole thing is being bold, having a unified front and putting your trust in the Lord. And that is what will get you through the hard things. And I think it's particularly timely just with, we have no idea what the economic fallout is going to be from COVID. You know, we all have to just be totally straight and honest about that. And we're about to, if we aren't already facing really hard economic times with people losing their job because they're business has been shut down or they're not able to hire everyone back once they are allowed to open. And it can be very taxing, not just on you, but also on your relationship and your relationship with others. Having those raw conversations, like you're saying, and you're, you should be, hopefully you're married to your best friend and the person that you can be open and honest with and have those hard conversations and be that rock for each other. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work, but it's so worth it in the end. It's so worth it coming through something that's so struggling and so hard that you didn't think you could overcome. But when you do, you're like, we can do anything together. We can accomplish anything. When a ship wasn't built to stay in the harbor, right? A ship was built to go (laughs) out and experience the big ocean and everything that that presents and yeah. And I'll tell you that the love we have for each other goes a little bit deeper because of what you said, the struggles we've been through. You know, yeah, at 20-something-year-old Devon and Dana, just freshly married, the love was was good. It was okay. But the tw- the 44-year-old love, I'm 44. She looked at me. I'm 44. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that love is a little more authentic now that we've been through some, some problems. We've seen one another at our worst and at our best and love is totally deeper now the roots go down way deeper because of all the the bad stuff that we 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 tackled head on even when we wanted to hide from it so that's uh that's that's what i I tell couples all the time is that yeah 20 something year old you don't even know what love is man you just got married you haven't haven't been through any firefights you haven't been through any real life struggles um you don't know what love is yet (laughs) yeah yeah just gets better right oh yeah it definitely gets better Uh, that's so true. There have been so many amazing takeaways, so many great strengths that you can lean on and that you can really trust as your companion, trust the, the ones you love and and really stick true to them. Stay true to who you are and be yeah. strong, be bold, be wise in your words and, and you really can make it so, Absolutely. so far. That's that's really the takeaway that I've had. And gosh, we appreciate your, your wisdom and your time and, and all of the the wonderful things you've been able to share with us. You're quite welcome. Thank you. I know we have definitely taken away some golden nuggets from this and just some good introspection and really me some gratitude for you know just the experiences that I've had that have been hard. You know, as you've been talking, I've been thinking about times that I've been mad at God. My dad passed away a few years ago and 
our relationship was finally getting good. And then he died, you know, like, why? Why did that have to happen? But, you know, there's a big plan. And so I know those who are listening are also going to have some really good takeaways as well from it. So if someone feel like they need a little bit more, tell us about some of the programs that you have and how they can reach out to you. Sure. Well, we are Legacy Impact Coaching, and we focus on marriages and engaged couples, and we really work with them, building a plan, being proactive, learning how to have those difficult conversations. So, you know, we even do classes, and we have role-playing where we go through, how do I, how do I say this to my mom or dad? So we really work with couples one-on-one with communicating within the marriage because sometimes there's some problems with that as well as outside with in-laws and with others. And so we do offer one-on-one coaching programs. We have classes like our communication renovation classes. So we would love to connect with you and we would love to work with you and helping you build your own legacy and within your family. And guys, even if you think you know we're in a good place, we mentioned this at the beginning, Being proactive is so much more beneficial than being reactive and having those tools in your tool belt before you actually need them could be the difference between you being truly happy and getting through an experience together and maybe just having some more rough waters. So we highly encourage you to reach out to them, follow them on Instagram. I know I love seeing your posts and your quotes (laughs) um, and just Take the step. Do yeah, something good. Absolutely. Invest in your marriage. Invest in yourselves. You're, you're totally worth it. And uh, we're just here. We're just trying to serve and help people be the absolute best that they can possibly be from our experiences and what we've learned. And we just want to we just want to share it with the world. Awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate everyone for tuning in. And we'd love to connect with you. So follow Miss Jane Larson on Instagram. And we'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Have a great week.